Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great podcast, The C.J. McCollum Show, where every week, New Orleans Pelican star C.J. McCollum discusses names and storylines in and around the NBA with inside perspective you can only get from someone in the locker room and on the floor. That's The C.J. McCollum Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get this podcast. Rate us, and thanks for watching us on YouTube. Can't forget about y'all. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars, I'm inclined to believe. You are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? Nothing, man. Happy to be here, as usual. I, I, I know I said this last week, but... I'll be looking forward to it. It's a nice little <laughs> little little chat because it don't feel like work. A little a lot of work feel like work. It don't feel like work. Yeah, no, nah, man. I ain't having nobody on here uh, that I got to talk to for an hour if it feel like work. That's the biggest <laughs> change we made in the last three years, man. If I got to be sitting here thinking about questions and shit, we ain't doing it. <laughs> that's wild, man. I know as I'm working through this podcast thing, it's one of the things that I'm realizing uh, as I get better at the podcast is don't prepare for the show. Prepare generally. Yes. It's like, know as much as you can know, but don't start mapping out the show because that, that, that'd be feeling inauthentic and, and unfun. Yeah, well, the other part of it is you know the stuff, right? Yeah. So, like, if I were to call you right now, right, you don't know there's a show going on, and I ask you about one of these playoff games, you would be able to right then and there tell me about the playoff game, right. and it, would, it wouldn't sound like TV stuff, but that's what works over here, right? It would sound <laughs> exactly. informed, but it would be in English. And so I think Gabe used to always joke about this the first time, one of the first times that Joel did the podcast with me. And Joel's like, yo, so what are we going to talk about so I can prepare? And Gabe was like, you'll find out what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's the, I, I assume when Dan was coming over, I guess Dan probably already knew. He already knew. By then you were established. He already knew the deal. But I assume most people, because uh, I had that with my podcast producer at first too, was like, I don't know. At first, I'm, I give you a whole list of stuff, and now it's like, man, we we go where we go, and it, it's better that way. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the stuff as we get to the stuff. We got playoffs to get to, um, but I want to tell people about um, a great moment in Bomani and Dominique history that is very in line with what we were just talking about, where it just goes where it goes. When we were doing uh, TV from our houses, it do a highly questionable, and. I forget who it, it was. Dan was trying to make the point about somebody like Central Florida or something deserved to get into college football playoff. And I was like, maybe they want to stay home. And Dominique had no idea this was coming because I was doing the math in my head about it. I was like, look, I know what it is to be, you know, I've seen it when a team is just overmatching a ball game. I was like, Dominique, tell them about that time y'all played in the Orange Bowl. And I knew without even a member of preparation that you were going to be able to explain to these people that Central Florida might have been just fine playing in the Peach Bowl or whatever the hell it was. I mean, I don't know if they if they thought they were before, but I they should have called me. I remember we had this conversation. I just talked about this game because I think my father-in-law reached out after that shellacking we saw on a yes. Monday night and was like, you ever been in a game of that like that? I was like, sir, let me tell you about something. <laughs> let me tell you about the 2001 Florida Gators that <laughs> slipped up towards the end of the year. Those were national champions, sir. <laughs> and they should have been a national championship bowl or game, BCS game, not fooling around with no damn turtles. And they gave us the business. Jabbar Gaffney couldn't be. I think Alex Brown was rushing the passer. It was just stupid. Rex Grossman was out there. I know y'all think what Rex he was Grossman. Cold. Yeah, y'all think of Rex Grossman as the Bears guy, not Spurrier Rex. <laughs> that, that that Gator Rex was a problem. Dude, and y'all was cold. Like, you played yeah. with some ballers. It wasn't yeah. like it was like Maryland, some plucky upstart. No, you got Sean Berryman out there on the squad. You know, like. No, Sean wasn't even there yet, but we had ballers. We had um Chris Jenkins. We had uh, EJ Henderson. Yeah. Uh, we had some ballers on the squad. Sean didn't get there till the next year. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we, we were put good. it like this. They were good enough that they didn't have to play you that year until people got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. We, um, we, well, actually that's not exactly how it happened. That's oh, really? the story that I tell. Cause I'm nice, but <laughs> we were, um, <laughs> we were undefeated. We went to Florida state and we lost to them barely, but, um, Javon Walker had three touchdowns against the starting corner. And then they were like, Hey, Neek. 
You know that red red shirt you you had on earlier today. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead and lead at home. We need you against Clemson for the ACC championship. But yeah, we that was the only game we lost was to Florida State in the regular season, and then Florida in the championship game, and they play different ball down there. <laughs> <laughs> Dog, hey TCU. I told the story uh, when we talked to L on the last episode. We were out there shooting some stuff for Game Theory, and when we stopped down for dinner break. It was 16 to 7. When I got in the car, it was 38 to 7. But you know what else it wasn't? Halftime. It wasn't halftime. I was so like, I had taken, so because I'm not like a super college football fan, like I parachute in for the big games. And I had been like trying to consciously rid myself of the biases that come with doing this work, where it's like, what comes in my head is like, all right. Plucky upstart, they don't stand a chance against these dogs from the South. And not just dogs, as in bulldogs. Anybody out the SEC, I'm going to defer to them. But I'm like, nah. And it took me a whole week to wrap my head around, TCU got a chance. I was looking for stuff. I was like, nah, they linemen ain't even that small. Like, nah, they got a receiver that's going to demand a double team. It's just them other dudes got to eat. They got a quarterback that's just as good as the guy on the other side. They run this 3-3-5. They're going to get after it. And once I finally wrapped my head around the idea that they stood a chance, they went and set a record for for how bad you can get your ass whooped. (laughs) Set a record. I did the same thing, that Alabama-Notre Dame game, because that was during that stretch where – now, Notre Dame had a similar season to TCU, now that I think about it, where they won a lot of two- and three-point games, right? Like a lot of them them, them cardiac games. And so um, there was also the thing – that all the teams that had beaten Saban at Alabama from 2008, like up to that point, they all had one thing in common. They had a quarterback that could move. Like the quarterback didn't have to be super fast, but you just needed a quarterback that was at least a threat. And that was how you dealt with Saban's defense. And Notre Dame had Ervin Golson, who wasn't great, but he could move. And I was just like, all I'm saying is, and I was adamant about this on Twitter, I remember, it's going to be a game. There's no reason to think it's going to be a blowout. So I think I was in Bristol that day because I caught a flight back to Durham. And this is before you could expect wireless on the flight. You know what I'm saying? I get off that plane. I check that phone. I score 28 to nothing. I ain't even turned the game on. I ain't get to tell no Manti jokes. None of that. That game was over as soon as I got off the plane. But I watched some of that Georgia after that. And I was just like, how many dudes y'all got, man? Damn. them. They got all the dudes. <laughs> so, so many dudes. It's unbelievable. And I listen to people cook up these theories about how NIL going to change things. And maybe it, it does. Uh, the game evolves and the talent becomes more democratized around the sport. But I think that's unlikely. When you have a structure like this, what happens is the rich get richer. You know, like there's going to be more money going into these big programs because they're big programs. And then there are going to be good more players going in those big programs. Unless you can get together some sort of donor base that's going to change things elsewhere, we're going to have us a little major league, minor league situation where a lot of your, your schools is just going to be a place for uh, three and four stars to um, to attract scholarships in NIL money from the big dogs, but I don't know. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I know one thing I'm not going to do, convince myself next year that somebody not in the SEC, maybe Ohio State, that's it. Ohio State and the SEC are winning the championships until I'm proven otherwise. Well, I think what Clemson showed us is that you can do it. You just might want to have a generational quarterback, like a generational quarterback and three first-round picks on the defensive line. Now we can like we can get started. Like the thing that's so wild about Georgia, and you talked about it in the context of boys from the South, that ain't even really what they got. Yeah. Like they getting dudes from everywhere. Like Brock Bowers is yeah, from Cali. the home of Gabe Bassane, Napa, California. That big <laughs> ogre at the other tight end is from Las Vegas. Um, like you go like Keely Ringo, he from Arizona. It's crazy. Yeah, they going to get everything. They are in they 70-something miles from probably the best metro area right now for getting players. It's Miami and Atlanta. Those are the two. Yeah. And they looking at Atlanta, and they like, eh, I think we can do better. Can you imagine? That's cr- so, like, that's, again, to the point that just let's just create some hypothetical where a bunch of former NFL players decide to move to somewhere in California and have kids, and then all those kids grow up to be great players. Georgia is just going to come take them. 
Like, and then they still have a better base than you. So, like, it, it, I don't know their roster top to bottom, but I imagine that their roster is mostly made up of kids from Georgia that are probably very good and that they don't have to spend much time or money recruiting, but they will go outside of Georgia to get these tippity, tip-top, can't-miss first-round draft pick guys. Man, that satellite camp stuff that people were talking about, oh. they can get them from anywhere. Now, like, Ohio State is like, we get the best players from Ohio, right? Yep. Like, like you got to achieve your way up in order to make this happen. Like, that's that's kind of the place where this goes and gets to. Because I'm looking at the roster right now, and it's a good bit of Georgia. Yeah. But this isn't like when Texas won the championship, all them dudes are from Texas, right? Like, you go look at it for Texas, that's pretty much how it goes. Like, it's a lot of Georgia all here, but, it, like, I'm just looking at the roster, so it's hard to tell who actually plays Right, like you know, the yeah. walk-ons, you got to make them local whites. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a, that's something that is greatly underrated, which is black walk-ons. We ain't got uh, time for that. Sh- nah, we had a couple, and uh, like maybe them, you'd have to be an invited walk-on. Like, not no, some they, of this just for the love of the game stuff. No, I, I can explain to you where our black walk-ons came from. Um, some were invited, and the other two were uh, second generation. Mm-hmm. immigrants so they like understood football because they grew up here but they had a different mindset <laughs> they was not interested in this uh walk on life <laughs> or they were interested in this walk on life yeah no nah, but georgia it's a game like the job that mark rick took 20 years ago is not the job that kirby smart has like the, mm-hmm. the, the potential of it is everything else and you gotta remember about georgia fans they about to be insufferable they ain't never they had three years of herschel Otherwise, they never had nothing close to being like this. That's the thing about the whole SEC that isn't actually discussed. They they kind of knew money in this. Outside of Alabama, this level of SEC dominance, it ain't never been there before because they were so resistant to African Americans. Yeah. <sighs> Racism ruined it for you. Yes, it made it great for like USC. <laughs> made it great for Ohio. <laughs> Yo, USC, imagine that. Like the day, once they came to terms with, okay, these black people are here to stay, right? They all jumped in their cars and they drove all the way over here. Okay, they're here to stay. But the day the football coach looks up and was like, Yo, <laughs> it's gold in them thar heels. Oh man, eh, that's yeah. That's a whole nother avenue to go down. Yeah, I'm not gonna go on, down. I'll on. just I'll stick with the fun. Think about this, and this is on the fun part. I was thinking about this with USC. Okay. I think I read this about Marcus Allen. The original plan at USC was for Marcus Allen to play defensive back, but they were so loaded at DB that they had to move him to running back. And that's how he wound up there. Now, let me go see if I can find on this here wiki page um, who it was that was playing DB. Oh, yeah. Ronnie Lott. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the gentlemen. I want to say it was like Ronnie Lott, Dennis Smith, like another dude who made a bunch of pro bowls. <laughs> Just Hall of Famers backing up Hall of Famers. Right. To where Marcus. Yes. Yeah, yeah. to, to where. Oh, yeah. Here we go. They had a secondary in 1978. Dennis Smith, Joey Browder, Dennis Johnson, Jeff Fisher, who was like Jeff Fisher playing on the 85 Bears. Like, they was all Jeff Dog. That's why Jeff Fisher think he know brothers like that. You know what I'm saying? He was in the yeah. DB room in South Central <laughs> yeah. Los Angeles. Oh, and they had Anthony Munoz on offense oh, and Charles White, who won the Heisman. The, the um, antiquated views on race in the South. Really yes. was a boom <laughs> for Trojan football. Right. Like oh, everybody else in California, mad as hell that, that we done showed up. John McKay <laughs> is like, hey, how do we get more of them? <laughs> oh, man. He out here funding uh, the um, the Southern strategy. Man, look, he, he out there on I-10 at the California, Arizona line holding the sign that say, don't give up. Keep on trying. <laughs> Keep on going. Yeah, you remember in the board the other sons, the dude who got to Arizona and couldn't get nobody to give him a place to stay, but he still had to figure out how he was gonna make it. John McKay would have gave his black ass a ride. Oh, It'd have been like, hey, let's go. Let's go, Doc. It's it's so sad because it's, I mean, 
he was happy to see him, but for a reason. That's what it boils down to. <laughs> Y'all better be here providing service. I don't care that you're a human with your 40 time. Hey, man, he might have been. Like, I talked to Amar Rashad about his coach at Oregon at the time, and he just couldn't go on enough about, like, how right. much that man respected his humanity. I don't know. Maybe John McKay was that dude, but, man, yeah. them cats. Them, I can't imagine. Hey, I've always said about the Great Migration the disappointment that people had to feel where they thought that they was, it's like an American tale. There's no cats in America. Streets are filled with cheese. Then they get there and they find out you can't eat none of that cheese, right? Yeah. But then you get to USC, cheese. <laughs> Everywhere you look is Gouda. You know what I'm saying? They got cheeses you ain't never heard of. It ain't them slices. It don't say not for sale. It's just cheese all over the place. But you better get you better get your rat ass out here making things happen. Yeah, that's that's the key. Yeah, as as an adult, I've become more secure in the racial dynamics of the Northeast. But I, <laughs> as a, as a young man, I used to just think and make jokes about racism in the south while i was wallowing in it and, and barely noticing it it was like and now i just feel like an idiot like just roasting my country cousins like how y'all put up with that down there yeah you know the, the only difference is we know our white people yeah exactly i know we had this conversation before where cards are on the table in many cases yes whereas we have this situation uh at least what i grew up around where the cards wasn't on the table I believed a bunch of them until <laughs> until I realized I was getting hoodwinked. It was just yeah. like a whole it was a whole nother game in a, in another part of the building with the door closed <laughs> and a lock on it that I didn't know was there. But, and I'm just in the room like laughing at my cousins from from uh, Charlotte, like ha ha ha. You you in Baltimore of all places? <laughs> yeah, I know the nerve. Yeah, I just didn't understand it all back then. Going to. <laughs> Baltimore County Schools. Nah, I think I was doing all right. Nah, man, you could be black in Los Angeles and not even know there is no white people in LA. Like, like <laughs> if it wasn't for the movies, you have no idea because wherever they are, you won't be there. Like, you see that freeway? Mm -mm. Don't go past. Yeah, that's that is some ruthless efficient design like for, to have your racism seep into the way that you construct a city, which I I, I started reading um White flight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that man, F first chapter make me want to fight. But now, you go get to some great parts. The best part when you get to the part about the, uh, the trolley, that's when you go realize uh, that that was the most clear distillation of how this whole thing works in this place. I've talked about it on here. I kind of want to let you have the surprise, but it'll still be surprising when you see it. But it was a brother got on the tray on the trolley one day in Atlanta and his clothes were dirty because he had been working all day. And some white person expressed, uh, he like, got out on the front and had to walk all the way to the back or something like that. And he's bumping into white people and, you know, you know, yeah. and something happened. And uh, I think the, the trolley uh, driver came back to put him off the train. He wasn't trying to get off the train and he took the trolley driver out. I think he hit him with a tire tool. I can't remember, but he took the trolley mm -hmm. driver out. Anyway, after that, every trolley, trolley driver was deputized and given a revolver. Yeah. yeah. Wow. All you had to do was drive a train and they give you a piece? Let's talk about happy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh, and to, to think, like, um, I, I'm new to, like, my, my contract back when I played for the Ravens put me in a different financial mm -hmm. situation. And, like, I'm still finding my way into new um, rooms that I haven't been in before. And, like, if I'm being completely honest, there has been, like, insecurity around that. And, like, we talked about this before. It's the whole reason why I went to Harvard Business School or the big part of the reason so that mm -hmm. I can just, like, it's like some validation. Yeah, dunk on them, play. essentially. Yeah. So I could be, like, you, I know what you think about me, and that ain't right. I'm something else. And it's embarrassing now to think back on that being a prime motivator but still it's still residual in there where i'm in here with these fancy whites and i don't know what they talk about and it make me feel uncomfortable but the fact of the matter is that i remind myself of that that um chris rock joke it's like the room that i'm in and his joke his joke is i'm not going to do the joke because it's much better but fundamentally the shit i had to make happen to get here is like actually incredible <laughs> nah for you nah so like i should not be insecure about any of that stuff but 
it happens. Yeah, there we nah. go. Therapy with Bomani again. Nah, I, I, I don't belong in any room I'm ever in. I had to learn. I've learned to learn that literally I don't have a room, so I just be in any of these rooms, kind of like whatever. You know, I was like, yeah, okay, cool. That's what this is. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I got something like happy-ish that we can okay. get to. I was talking about this today at work. And you know how it is that you repeatedly deal with people who like treat you the same way and people, you know, raise the question, like, what are you doing to attract people that treat you this way? Or, you know, what are you putting out of this world? If you're a Green Bay Packers fan, you mean to tell me that we're going to have to go through this with another quarterback? We're going to go through every year not knowing if you're going to still work here again? Again? What? Yeah. I am, um, like, depending on the day of the week, I feel differently about Aaron Rodgers. And sometimes I'm like, he's trying to manipulate us. And sometimes I'm like, he's just done with the bullshit and he just wants to be honest and he's going to tell you how he actually feels because on its face, it's ridiculous. But uh, him going through this every off season, but when you actually think about it, like it's, it's reasonable. He's a 39 year old quarterback who's playing a very violent game that like there's tons of attention on him all the time. Like it's stressful. It's reasonable to be at the end of every season to be like, man, I don't even know. Mm -hmm. So like, but you don't have to say it, I guess. Like, I don't know how to handle this because, like, I'm certainly one who's like, yeah, be honest with you, but be honest. But I guess it's on us because it's interesting to us for whatever reason that we continue to talk about it. Now, this is between him and his employer because if they're, if it's changing the planning or whatever. But I think fundamentally the reason why I still think it's okay to be annoyed by him is he ain't going nowhere. Well, Not with all that money. Yeah, and that's the question, obviously, is about the money, right? Um, but I look at it from him and I agree with Marcus Spears and the other people who made this point. It took y'all half the season to get it going. And it's hard not to ask the question whether y'all would have got this going sooner if you had been showing up to the stuff y'all do in the off season. Now you can make the argument you're Aaron Rodgers. You earned the right to not have to do those things. That's fine. But there's consequences to that. And I think we saw on the field what some of those consequences were. And so when Tom Brady did his retirement thing, my thought about that was, Cool, you did it early so they could make moves and everybody could figure out. And then he even came back early, but then he didn't show up. And what do you know? They went eight and nine, right? So if you're Aaron Rodgers, sometimes you don't want to put yourself in this position, but he gets there. You got to go based on how you feel in March. Like if you're going to be truly fair to the people who are around you, the problem is there's $50 million, whether you be it fair or unfair to the people around you, if you decide to play football and if he stretch it out, they're going to let him stretch it out. Like, this ain't the situation with Favre where they was like, all right, man, well, you got to get you out of here. I don't think – and they weren't there at first with Favre. But I don't think they're there right now with Aaron Rodgers. And the grand irony of it was he wasn't even that good this year. Yeah. 
So fundamentally, I'm opposed to the argument. I just can't, as as a good union man, I just can't be out here arguing that that people need to be at off-season workouts that are voluntary. Like me and Marcus had that fight all the time. And I sincerely, and maybe this is just, um, maybe I get to this point because I start at that position, but I actually don't think it matters that much. Really? Like, I think it gives us something to grab onto. And it might, and I could be all the way wrong. It makes sense with these rookie receivers. It makes sense. Like I get the logic behind it, but he was bad (laughs) and he didn't need that stuff. And so in the other argument, even if I think it, it, it does have value, there's a trade-off. There's a trade-off with everything. And you saying him not coming, the trade-off for that is maybe they aren't in sync earlier. Yes, that's true. Him coming, given where his mind is and how he feels about football and where he is in his life and his career right now, two more months of football may be unhealthy for his mind. So no, like, I, I that's don't know t- the no, right I, answer to that's the thing. I think, all of, I think everything that you say is correct, but I think that sometimes if you're thinking about, and I'm not thinking about it, when I think about the team, mm. I'm not thinking about the organization. Yeah. I'm thinking about like yeah. the group of people. Right. You know what I mean? And if they'll let you get away with not coming, that's cool. But like I say, there's the trade, right? And, for, and the trade may be by going, your mind is not in the place that you want to be. The trade by not going is what's the point of taking these kidney shots if mm-hmm. you are not going to have like, be successful on the back end of it. And that's why I say, if you don't feel like doing that other stuff, you probably just don't feel like doing this anymore. I would Let me throw one other thing in there that might change this whole thing up for you. Green Bay, Wisconsin. And see, that's the, that's the. So like, it's a level of commitment that feels training camp level while the rest of us live in Denver. <laughs> like Denver ain't New York City, but it's Denver. Like right. I stayed there year round. It wasn't, it was fine. I was at everything. And it's like a couple hours here or there. He, and it's not only that it's Green Bay because it's about your options. Yeah. He's a real legitimate Hollywood celebrity. Yeah. Like he could be in LA hanging out with with um actresses. Oh, and- I I get it. And that's what I'm saying. Do it or don't. Like if you decide you want to do that, that's cool. If you decide you want to do that and get to $50 million, y'all might go seven and ten. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, that's fine. Just put it all on the table. Cause it, oh, uh, yeah. Green Bay is a unique, is a unique place. It's, if you ever go there. If you've ever been there, the first question that should come to your mind is, why the hell is a major American professional sports team here? And you can go through the history and figure it out, but it don't make sense. Dog, the fact that they have held on to that team in that place for all that time is wild. And the thing is, obviously, most of their fans are not up there, but they are the ones. It wouldn't be like the Raiders. Like when the Raiders, when they go, we all go. Mm-hmm. I don't know who root for the Packers if you just decide you're going to drop them off and make them the Little Rock Packers or the San Antonio Packers. Yeah, I, I have no idea, but I do know that it'd be really hard for me to engage in the offseason program <laughs> if I had money. And, like, I was a corner, so there was no chance for me to get, like, quarterback-level famous. But you put that on there, too? I'm good. So, like, I don't know where their practice facility is, how far it is from – from their uh, stadium, but the closest major city is Milwaukee, and I wouldn't want to live there. No disrespect, Walk, but I'm good. Yeah, that's what you mean by uh, major. I mean, what you got? No, nah, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. And by the way, the the indoor the training facility for the Packers is across the street from Lambeau Ugh. Field. But no, Ugh. you're right. Milwaukee is the closest thing to Kraken that's there. Chicago's not super far away. Yeah. I'm good, man. Cause like even it's not even about going out. So nice restaurants is one thing. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers likes fine wines and these sorts of things. That's one thing. It's not even about going. And I guess he's older now, so it's a different thing. My experience as a young player was like it was nice to have friends and to be able to call friends mm-hmm. at a moment's notice and hang out with friends. Who you call it? You got to plan that thing three hours in advance. Right, and you the quarterback. So, like, you ain't got as many hangout partners. You, yeah. you, you can't call you gotta, the other safeties. <laughs> yeah, you got to be. You got to have a little bit more discretion. And, yeah, like, I guess they probably see him so much that they 
that they recognize that people don't like fawn over him, but like being Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, Wisconsin has to be a pretty tough existence every place you go. Um, and for everybody who is curious, I just Googled it as you were thinking about what it's like to be an athlete in Green Bay. Um, the answer to your question is yes. Mm-hmm. And it is the Oval Office. The Oval Office is Green Bay's yep. only gentleman's club. <sighs> Man, being black in Green Bay. I mean, just I, like, yeah. I've always wanted to learn how to cut my own hair. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I got it under control now. Look, man, it's the reason why they DBs all be looking like they just got down to Fraggle Rock. Every single one of them get up there. They like, yo, I need some hair care that'll take care of itself. They stay with a number 31 out there with dreadlocks oh, over the name plate. <laughs> Al Harris, Mike McKenzie, like that was an official award. Maybe, maybe you get that, and they make you wear a wig if you go wear number thirty-one. Oh, you're gonna be gosh. the you're gonna be the roster corner in Green Bay. <laughs> they always got them, man. I mean, what else they supposed to do? Yeah, I don't get it. They gotta have somebody out there. It's just one, one, one former player stayed, and his 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 <laughs> grandson out here giving everybody lineups. It's the only but one. No, it is. I need to actually look up exactly how it is because, you know, they're publicly owned. There's all of that mm-hmm. stuff. But it is wild that all them other little towns, Portsmouth or whatever they were called, yeah. Canton, Decatur, all them little bitty towns that had NFL teams, yep. Green Bay stuck it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, um, dog, teams have a, a base, two baseball teams left New York City and the Packers still got a football team. It's crazy. Yeah, the I think it was like the National Professional Football Association. I was reading a book recently, recently called um, Football Century that just goes through the history of football. And the early years of um, football history is like shockingly local, like professional football history. It's like the NFL started in pretty much Ohio. It's just like that's that's it and how they used to you couldn't play on Sundays because of blue laws and like all the things. Yeah, I don't know. You just, I just don't think about it because we professional sports is such an integral part of like modern American culture that thinking of this league as like a, like a mom and pop. A, yeah, <laughs> upstart is crazy. They were like the, the Packers actually got suspended because they were using college players. They got kicked out of the league. So the original Green Bay Packers, I, I used this on my podcast earlier. The original Green Bay Packers got kicked out of the league because they used three Notre Dame players in the game because they thought if they lost the game, they was going to get run out of football. So then they got kicked out of football. Then the Green Bay started another team the next year, called them the Green Bay Blues, and eventually changed their name back to the Packers. It's just crazy, all the stuff That's that they wild. were doing. Yeah, it is, it is wild. A lot of wild stuff in that book. Yo, um, I'm sitting here looking at what we got going for the playoffs. Is uh, your man Brandon Staley coaching for his job? Because I think he is. You think so? If they lose to Jacksonville? I mean, he deserved to be fired after what he did last week. Yeah, look at Mike Williams. This time getting hurt after fantasy season is over. You never have that kind of luck when you're on. When I, well, I never had that kind of luck when I had him on my damn fantasy team. But like Jacksonville, I watched that game on Saturday night. And I did not see an impressive football team. I saw the winner of an unimpressive division. But yeah. hey, if if Trevor Lawrence and that cast of characters they got, if the Chargers, who are quietly loaded, yeah, lose to them, no, nah, I don't think that man coming back. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. They've, he's gotten better, and they've gotten better. But yeah, that was the I had to pick a team that could be this year's Bengals, and that was my pick. Because yeah. they are actually really talented. They're they're not well built offensively. I don't think they have the the proper players around Herbert, but Herbert still has blackout ability. He can still yeah. blackout and they still got ballers. Yo, Justin Herbert is in a very interesting space where he has demonstrated to us how cold he is, right? But we still don't expect him to win anything. Yeah. Like by this point of Lamar Jackson's career, is he ain't won a playoff game yet. Right, and Lamar Jackson had been colder up to that point, but he ain't won a playoff game yet. Justin Herbert, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because you play for the Chargers, a team that nobody really cares about. But he's kind of getting to float right now, and not that I think he should be under pressure about right. those things. Just to be clear, but yeah, he's he don't he ain't got to live with. They were trying to run two off his job last year. You know what I'm saying? We were getting a little antsy about Trevor Lawrence this year. We no, we we believe in Justin Herbert as quarterback, but we don't expect anybody to win with the Chargers. 
Yeah, yeah, that's weird to me. I, I think maybe the West Coast bias has something to do with it. I think the the fact that he does quarterback the way that a lot of people expect quarterback to be done uh, has something to do with it. But nobody cares about the Ravens either. The only reason why it feels like we care about the Ravens because they always good. Yes. You think if the Ravens suck, we'd be talking about the Ravens? No. It's just like <laughs> the Ravens happen to always be competitive, so they're always in the conversation. It's a lot like the Patriots. As soon as the Patriots start stinking and Bill Belichick is gone, ain't nobody going to be talking about them either. We care about them because they're good. Oh, yeah, that's especially with the Patriots. Like somehow the Patriots did all that winning and don't have a massive nationwide fan base. How did they do that? That's impressive. Because there's nothing to root for. Yeah, right, like, 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 like when the Cowboys are winning, they had a little swag to it. Yeah. There was some style. You only thing you rooting for with the Patriots, for what I could tell from being in Atlanta during that Super Bowl with the Patriots, you are rooting for white excellence. And I say that just because they ain't had no black people jerseys on. None. If it was a Patriots jersey, it was some white dude that I swear to you they would never make a jersey for that anybody would ever buy if that dude wasn't white. That was yeah. it. But there's nothing if you're not from around there. There's nothing to make you be like, like the Raiders, they were outlaws. The Patriots are like white collar criminals. Yeah. They, yeah. There's nothing about that. That's like, feels like something. And I think the people that you went over are young people and young people are not attracted to that. Young people are attracted to cool. Yes. And the Cowboys are cool. The Raiders are cool. Uh, the 49ers were cool back when they were. And it's also it's like they had personality because you got to know the players. And right. the Patriots, as soon as you get to know them, they got to go. Except for Tom Brady. Oh, they gronk. <laughs> you get a, you get, they yeah. you get a little buzz, you got to go. <laughs> Gronk's the only one that stayed around. Yo, man, if you play for the Patriots, you get a phone call. They're like, we want to talk to you about a contract extension. You think you was getting pumped. <laughs> yeah, they don't do, they don't do that. Uh, what that? Aaron Hernandez got a contract extension. I remember seeing his jerseys at that Super Bowl down there, which was like, nah, nah, nah. We, we nah. don't, we don't play like that. We don't, nah. we don't Joe like that. But uh, you mentioned Lamar, right, fans? Me and L talked about it a little bit. But what the hell you think going on with that? It's a bad spot because I can see both sides of the argument. But for me, the big thing about Lamar is looking at it from his perspective is he's come up in a world where there's a lot of pressure on him. Uh, and it kind of feels like everybody's been against him. The hardest thing about this current situation is the one kind of group that felt like he had his back is the one that he's like feuding with or negotiating with right now and seems to be at odds with right now. I sincerely believe that he's hurt. I don't think he's like milking it to prove a point, but I do think it's, it's exceedingly rational for someone without a guaranteed contract in front of them to be a little bit more cautious. Like that, that makes sense to everybody. I don't think that he um is a hundred percent is just pretending to be hurt. I think that if he had a fully guaranteed contract and this was the Super Bowl, he'd probably get up out there, but he don't, and it's not. Now, the thing I was uh, talking to L about with this, anybody that's also, well, maybe the Ravens need to move on to another quarterback. Okay. Cool. Who? Just let me know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That, and if you can let me know who you're talking about. Like, remember we were talking before, and maybe I talked about this without you, but I think you were here. Right? Like, it used to be that teams had, like, really good backup quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. also think that was in part because the rules weren't protecting quarterbacks like that, so you never knew. The idea that the 49ers kept Steve Young on ice for four years. Steve Young it's crazy. on ice for four years. I say all that just simply to say, ain't no Steve Young on somebody's bench Mm-mm. just waiting for it ain't there. Yeah, it ain't there. You got this. The Washington team yeah. had to franchise Kirk Cousins two different times. And you think they about to just move on from a Lamar Jackson. I ain't going to say that about a yeah. black dude. And Kirk Cousins been bashing the Vikings over the head ever since. <laughs> like, he ain't got much better. But the money keep coming because what's your alternative, man? What's your other option? And a team like the Ravens has never had a good quarter. I mean, Joe Flacco was good. Joe Flacco was cold for a Super Bowl run. But other than that, like, yeah, they it's hard to move on from that. And maybe you got the ego to think that you can and maybe – Three, four first-round picks is enough to be properly compensated to think about it, but 
if it go wrong and go wrong, he go win a Super Bowl somewhere else and you still looking for quarterbacks. Yeah, we, we're, we're going to go get another MVP. Where they do that at? Right, right. <laughs> MVP. Like, come on. Like, I remember Dave Gettleman got the job in Carolina and it was coming up on contract time for Cam and he tried to pretend like it was up in the air about what they was ultimately going to do with him. No, it was not. You are bringing this dude back because I don't know if you've been looking around, buddy. But uh, they they ain't made but one of these ever, let alone a reasonable facsimile. And I think, like, when you were talking about Steve Young, like, the game was different. Running backs mattered. The running game mattered. There was um, – uh, quarterbacks were getting hit, but the quarterbacks didn't have to be as – or didn't have to carry as much weight as they do now because the game moved away from that, partially because of rule changes, partially just because – the game has gotten a little bit smarter as far as its efficiency is concerned and that running the ball directly up the middle twice in a row does not give you many chances for a big play unless you got Barry Sanders. But so now the quarterbacks have even more influence on the game. So they're even more valuable. It just, it, to me, it's not worth the risk reward. And I think that one of the most interesting things about, and it's not just Lamar, it's anytime we do these contract talks is how quickly I'm reminded that some people ain't never been on a team or mm-hmm. or some people aren't built to be managers of people is they think it's 2k and they just be like because something is like mathematically possible or works under the constructs of the rules they think they can do it and that's an interesting proposition when you're dealing with a government, I guess, is like you can go into the government building. It's like, no, look here, the rule says this. It's a whole different proposition when you're dealing with a person. Because if you like Lamar, we're gonna franchise you because we can. If he don't like that, and he is the person around which everything in that organization spins, his mindset, his attitude, the way he feel, that matters almost as much as anything else. So. When everybody's talking about this, like, hey, we just going to franchise who time. We had a leverage. Then we get the money. If we going to trade him, we might shop him. We might do that. We do. It ain't like that. He ain't a guard. <laughs> Goddamn quarterback of your team. <laughs> Y'all better treat him like that or else it's going to backfire. Well, that was a point that L made about when Dak Prescott was going through his. You'll notice that at every turn, Jerry Jones was incredibly complimentary and was like, yeah. no, we're going to get this done. We just have a difference in how long. No, he is our quarterback of the future. Don't mm-hmm. you get that twisted. Like Jerry played that as you do when you recognize this dude has to be happy yeah. if this is going to work. Like the best advice anybody ever gave me is don't ever sign a contract you don't feel good about because you ain't never going to feel better about it than the moment you put your pen on it. That's fair. You notice that Harbaugh last week was real, like, I don't know, like kind of odd about talking about Lamar. You could see some of the frustration. Beginning in this week, he did a press conference, and I believe it was three separate occasions he used the words, I love Lamar, (laughs) in in the press conference. I think that he understands, to be clear, that no matter where this ends up, Lamar needs to know that we believe in him, we love him, and I imagine if I'm Harbaugh, I'd be talking to Lamar like, man, I don't know what they doing upstairs. They bought that bullshit. I told him to pay you. I told him to pay you. Nah, the, the interesting you mentioned Harbaugh, you know, because one thing that Lamar has in common with the other Harbaugh, Jim, is that neither of them has an agent. Mm-hmm. And it just crossed my mind because when you said Harbaugh, I for a moment forgotten which Harbaugh we were talking about. Yeah. Do you know how bad Michigan wishes Jim Harbaugh had an agent so they don't have to talk about this stuff directly with him? Yeah, that's a tough negotiation to have right there. Um, I hope they figure it out because I like Michigan being good. I like them being competitive. I like them having serious games against Ohio State. But I think you and I, like, uh, don't see the agent thing the exact same way. Like, I get the point that you're making, but I also recognize that Agents are largely incentivized to get along with the teams. They go no, have no, a no, bunch no, more no. clients. Yeah, no, there is there is that part, right? Yeah, there's, there's the it, it's the blessing and curse right. of iteration, right? Mm-hmm. That they are that does come up. Are you trying to maintain the relationship that you have with these people and how this affects the individual deal that you have? My my angle on it, right, is because I mm. see the argument on the other side is just for me. Hey, man. I don't feel like talking to these yeah. people. 
and one of us is gonna say something problematic <laughs> about this and that someone is them yeah. like i know it's going to be them yeah. I'd rather my agent decide if my feelings can handle that. Yeah, I, I'm, I have an agent now. I had an agent my whole career. I agree. I would definitely have an agent. Um, if I was Lamar Jackson, maybe I wouldn't. Because I'd be like, look, you see what they just signed? Give me that. And then they come over and they try to explain to me why I don't deserve that. No, I'm going to stop you right there, sir. We don't need to have a discussion. You see that contract over there that says Deshaun Watson on it? Get some white out. <laughs> add a, add, a, add a no, another one on the end of it and bring it to me. This is not a negotiation. This dog, is a request. Dog, and this is where I sympathize with the Ravens. They like, dog, just because Jimmy Haslam is stupid doesn't yeah. mean we are. That's exactly what I said on TV this morning. It was like the Ravens are thinking just because the Browns are dumb don't mean we have to be. But I also come from like, that's why this is such a like a difficult situation is because both sides have legitimate like a legitimate position. And I guess yes. the Ravens would say like, well, other people sign non fully guaranteed contracts afterwards. And Lamar like, but that ain't my problem, man. Right. <laughs> they set a new bar brother. And this is what the price is now. So I'm going to need y'all to pay the price, brother. It's a tough yes, spot. Today's price is today's price. Actually. <laughs> yep. Like y'all like, acting like it's a different ball game. Right. They, they, they tell him yesterday's price is not today's price. He like, why not? <laughs> and I get the feeling that when you have conversations with Lamar Jackson, he hits you with a lot of simple questions like those. Why not? <laughs> the hardest was the answer. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, like, like say that a different way. Yeah. <laughs> Just make you keep saying the same thing over and over in different ways. Why not? <laughs> they go right back to why not. It's really not, I mean, that's why you don't need an agent. It's a simple conversation. Hey. I want that. Give me that. I'm gonna ask one last thing before we get out of here, like actual playoff related. Mm-hmm. This Brock Purdy thing, like, how real is it? Because he was a very good college player. Like, this right. isn't a dude. Seeing him be successful in the NFL is unlikely, but mm-hmm. it's not like if you watched him play at Iowa State, you're like, I can't believe this. It's not one of those situations. However, he was the last dude in the draft. Like, can you win a Super Bowl like that? I mean, and if you can, should Jimmy Garoppolo just stop playing football? <laughs> No, because somebody's going to keep paying them. But uh, Tom Brady is the other kind of example because there's not much difference from the guy last of the draft and sixth of the draft. But Tom Brady was not putting up numbers like Brock is right now. Um, if it weren't for the fact that Shanahan's done it so many times with so many different people, we'd be acting a little bit more silly about what Brock Purdy is doing right now because what Brock Purdy is doing right now is quite silly. But hold on. How many times has Kyle Shanahan actually done this? Well, because I think, and uh, go ahead. I was saying, because we say that, right? Mm-hmm. Robert Griffin is an obvious example, but I don't think can be related to the rest of the sample, right? Because he okay. was just so damn talented that it, it was a lot of stuff coming together, but fine. He did it. He did it with, with a guy we thought was a can't miss prospect at the time. He didn't do it with Kirk Cousins. You go look at how Kirk Cousins played. He had that one game in 2012 where he threw for like 300 yards. But you go look at it. He didn't actually do it um, with Kirk Cousins. Brian Hoyer had a few decent weeks, but he wasn't really good that year that he was in Cleveland. I can't remember. I think he had Matt Schaub in Houston, but Matt Schaub was yeah. decent without him. Um, he gets to the 49ers. He brought back Brian Hoyer. That didn't work. Nick Mullins was out there putting up big numbers. But, hell, I guess maybe we would say these things about Nick Mullins if Nick Mullins had the defenses that Jimmy Garoppolo didn't ultimately had. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't fool us into thinking that he was good. Purdy, it doesn't feel like a trick yet. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel yet like smoke and mirrors. And so, maybe we should be giving him more credit because, the I mean, we, we hadn't seen Kyle Shanahan figure it out yet with Trey Lance. Granted, he, granted he didn't have a whole lot of games mm-hmm. or chances to get it right, but yeah. I, I think he's got a system that a quarterback can run, but we ain't really seen that many quarterbacks really make it happen. It's funny that you bring that up because you often hear people say that the second year in Shanahan's offense is when the really when the quarterback really really comes into his own. That's not what's happening right now with Brock Purdy. In his first week, he figured it out. Maybe that's also a result of coaching. But you left um, Matt Ryan out of that equation. Oh, M- sorry, M- sorry, MVP sorry, Matt forgot Ryan. about that. Forgot yeah, about that. My out, bad. Of, out of the equation. I guess you could give the credit to Julio for that. But <laughs> my I mean, bad. You're right. The, the fact of the matter is, he's the common denominator in all these situations. And you could like say 
that it wasn't always him, which maybe it's not always him, but he always there. And I know he didn't make quarterbacks out of some of these guys, but he made them like serviceable, which is more than a lot. Like you see what happened in Miami. They're down to their third quarterback. You see Fair. what happened in Baltimore. Like this is Fair. the one place that it seems to continue to happen. And, and I think Brock Purdy is probably uh, better than we're giving credit. Better, he's been better than we're giving him credit for because we're giving so much credit to Kyle Shanahan. But we can't be wrong giving credit to Kyle based on um, his his track record yeah. and what he's doing up until now. Oh yeah, no, I definitely give him credit. But I said that to the point you were making about like maybe Brock Purdy is better than we're giving him credit for, and I think that part is yeah. probably true because it's not like. You remember that run with Andy Reid when they were pulling like A.J. Feely and Coy Detmer out when Donovan McNabb get hurt and they still get it done? Mm-hmm. Um, we have seen Kyle Shanahan pull the guy that ain't that good. We have, in fact, seen that before. That is not what's going on here with uh, Purdy Boy. Now, if, if, they, if they were to win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy, first of all, does that mean you have to keep Brock Purdy? Because then what yeah. do you do with Trey Lance? And I just want to say again, Trey Lance can turn into a Hall of Fame quarterback, but it is very difficult to argue that is not one of the worst trades. Like we talk about how bad that Russell Wilson trade was. This one ain't much better if you could get Brock Purdy with the last pick of the draft. The one thing that I, I wouldn't say that is smoke and mirrors with, with Brock Purdy, but maybe Brock Purdy's actually good. But all the stuff that we spin up, all this mythology we spin up around um, Kyle Shannon, which I guess mythology is not fair, but all the celebration. Now I'm kind of playing the other side. All the way we appreciate how great he is. He don't think he's that great. Right. Because he would have got Trey Lance. Yeah, because he was <laughs> like, you know what? I'm going to give up everything for somebody who, who can transcend scheme because I seen what happened when I went up against somebody when when my scheme can no longer work. So... I think maybe he'll stay with Brock. Or you have to, you if you get to the Super Bowl, you got to, like, Brock Purdy's the starting quarterback next year. It's just the way it's going to be. And you figure it out from there. But, yeah, you got to move on from Trey Lance, and you'll be fine because your quarterback is is on the cheapest possible deal ever. Yeah, and then maybe you can find somebody to give you back three first-round picks. Yeah, maybe. Uh, in, in order to make that happen. Oh, well, we're going to see. But that is Dominique Fosworth. Check him out on the Dominique Fosworth Show. Check him out on Anscape. Check him out on Get Up. Check him out on First Take. Check him out all over the place. Check him out on Debatable. My man, it is appreciated. Thank you, brother. All right, man. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Remember to hit the voicemail line, 860-516-4119. Tell us about that time you meant to send a text message about somebody, but you actually sent that text message to somebody. 860-516-4119. 860-516-4119. That is the number. Um, Adi Khan, Parker Owens, Dan Stancic, handling thing behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Also, thank you guys for watching on YouTube. Remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.